Welcome to the Backjack Show, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Redline Athletics. I am Jason Smith, and I'm joined by Paul Ray. What's going on, Paul? Oh, you know, just another day in soccer uh, hell. I mean, paradise. Yeah, yeah, soccer... Uh, Purgatory, I saw. Purgatory, I yeah. It's, it's definitely... Uh, we're, we're living on the bad side of town. Um, but... Uh, so, let's jump right into it. Saturday night, Phoenix was in town. Uh, the Mighty Mighty Phoenix Rising, um, which, if there's two Phoenix Rising teams, are they Phoenixes or are they Phenai? Th- <laughs> but um, Phoenix came in, and uh, there's a lot on the line uh, last night. Last night was the, or I'm sorry, Saturday night, was the... Um, a lot on the line, as uh, if Phoenix lost, they would, they would be mathematically eliminated for contending for the, uh, what do they call it, the, the, the Commissioner's Cup for the USL, the regular season title, um, or Commissioner's Big Plate, I think it is. Um, <laughs> and if the Switchbacks lost, they would be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs altogether. So... Um, a lot there for the first time it felt like there was there was a lot on the line and uh, Phoenix came in uh, really having been I won't say they they've been kind of, coming in they were uh, they were three of the last four um, they they lost to San Antonio uh, eked out a win against Seattle uh, one to nothing and. Um, you know, eked out a win versus Rio Grande, so they weren't exactly looking very dominant. Um, in fact, their last dominant victory was against us uh, on <laughs> August August twenty fifth in Phoenix, four to nothing. So um, there was there was a chance we had a chance there. Um, so it, the game the game started off, and uh, I I felt like there was a lot of pressure. I thought that uh, we started out well, uh, with the exception of the opening kickoff, which was basically just kicked directly out of bounds, um, which is not a tactic I see very successful very much. Um, but uh, starting out, it looked like we had we, we had the run of play. I mean, we were we were pressuring, we were putting we were, we were in the area, but all of that went out the window in the. Uh, in the twenty-second minute, um, off of a corner kick, uh, Phoenix had a, a Solomon Asante was uh, played in the, in the uh, played the corner kick into the mixer, and Joseph Farrell uh, definitely headed it in past a uh, momentarily stunned Moise Poate. Um, you know, I watching it live, and this was I think this is the first game in four years that you and I have actually sat together for the whole game and watched it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. That was cool. Um, at the time, I, I without the benefit of seeing a replay, I thought it was kind of a soft goal to give up. But um, you know, watching the replay of it over and over again, it it, it looks like a, a pretty good play. And I don't think, uh, aside from the the a complaint that maybe Poade was caught between going out and challenging it and dropping back into the net to play the play the header. I don't think there was much he could have done to stop that. It was it was headed in with with some pretty good but a pretty good pace. Yeah, it it definitely uh the the corner had pace on it and really just a a, a good redirect uh onto goal. And I I would agree that it it seemed like uh Moise might have been uh caught in two minds uh trying to decide whether to go out for it or or 
uh, retreat and try to try to make the save, but uh, didn't seem like there was too much he could have done about that one. Yeah, they. It's kind of the uh, if you're if you're a goalkeeper, um, you you've got to commit to what you're doing, uh, even if it's bad. Um, <laughs> because because if if you uh, half step out about to play it, then you're backing up and on your heels. And if you're on your heels, unless they hit it right at you, uh, there's nothing you can do. So even even if he went out to challenge that, it would have disrupted something, um, and would have been a, you know, either he boxed it out or uh, it was headed in behind him. But either way, it was it was a quality goal. I take nothing away from from Farrell, uh, who made the USL Team of the Week for it. Um, so there were down one to nothing at home uh, against the mighty mighty Phoenix, and. Uh, Kind of felt like a little de- deflated um, after that. Uh, the team didn't seem to do much pressure. It's lately, I think one of the most frustrating goals I've seen us give up in a long, long time. Um, the keeper, uh, wa- wa- Carl Wostwostik, Wostwostik, Carl Wasinski, Wasinski, uh, Sir Carl in the goal. Um, he. Basically had a, had the ball played back to him, and he stood over the ball for a good twenty seconds. Oh no, my goodness! No, no one, pressure. No pressure whatsoever. Mm. I was screaming my lungs out, yelling pressure from the sidelines. And yeah. uh, I mean, he could have sat there for literally the end of the half. Uh, he it, just very calmly just played the ball back, stood it in place outside outside the. Uh, the box and just waited for something to show up and we had zero pressure on him at all. I don't know what uh, you know. Toy wasn't wasn't pressuring him. None of our forwards were pressuring him. It was just he was just there, had the ball like like he had all day and literally he had all day. There's no rule that says you know you you have to play the ball forward. <laughs> um, he just stood there and he played it in deep, uh, kicked the ball in deep. Uh, it was headed uh, Chris Cortez basically. Headed it over to a running Kevin, uh, Kevon, Kevin, weirdly spelled name, Kevon uh, Lambert, who unmarked, walked the ball right in and shot it past a charging Pawati for a, a goal. Um, seeing the replay of it, it was it was infuriating to me because there was the other side of not challenging him means you're, you're marking up who you got. Uh, and there was none of that. Um, Chris Cortez went up and basically headed the ball uh, over to Kayvon Lambert, who ha- had no one at all marking him, um, who re- who trotted right in uh, past a, uh, uh, you know, Pilates kind of left with with a one-on-one. Um, you know, you can't really put that on him. Uh, but he, he went in and, and uh, was unable to uh, make the stop or disrupt the play. And just like that, in the 43rd minute, Phoenix was up two to nothing. Um, what did you think of of of, of that? Am I, am I missing anything? No, I I, I think it was. Uh, I think you really you really nailed it um, in saying that if you're if there's not pressure being applied to the man on the ball, the the only reason for that is if you are man marking somebody and you're you're holding to your defensive duties and seeing that the goal came off of a pretty jarring defensive lapse, 
I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and agree with you that that was not the case. And that I, I don't know if it was just laziness or if they were just cautious to apply pressure. I really don't know of any reason not to apply pressure unless you're just exhausted. Yeah. Uh, and and that's why I mean, one of the reasons that I for many years now have been a, a fanboy of uh, of Marty Mabin is because it doesn't matter whether it's the first minute or the 90th. And when he's on the pitch, he's usually pressuring someone on the back line. He's usually doing something to make somebody not be able to sit on the ball for 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Wyshynski was able to do that n- not once, but twice that I can recall uh, right in front of us. Yeah, several times. Uh, just infuriating. He just he he could have been he could have done what uh, what I do in FIFA when I'm time wasting and just uh, juggle the ball a little bit, you know, kick it up in the air, uh, play a little uh, play a little game with himself. There's yeah. no pressure whatsoever. I, I literally could have jumped over the ad boards, ran out there, got him to autograph something for me, and made it back to my seat before he kicked the ball. I mean, it was it was that long. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. It was really, really uh, ridiculous. And, and, and kind of speaks to what uh, I was thinking at the time, is that after we gave up that first goal, it seemed like we had uh, like the, the, like we'd been defeated, like we'd given up. It was just, it's over, it's inevitable, um, we're tired, we'll have to play. I mean, you don't park the bus when you're down a goal, you know? And it seemed like that's what we were doing. Um, it, it, it didn't really seem, we didn't see much pressure. And, and that goal was was uh, just horrible. Just, just absolutely horrible. So we went in halftime down two to nothing. And, um, boy, I got to tell you, I did not see a way back for us. Um, I mean, you and I were, were, were chit-chatting about wondering if, uh, if we've ever been shut out at home or if we've, uh, you know, get lost by more than one goal at home before. Because um, it was it was bad. I mean, we had a decent-sized crowd there last last game of the season um, at home. And, um, you know, there a lot of the, the season ticket holders, you know, were flexing their tickets in and bringing in their friends and neighbors. Yep. And uh, we weren't exactly... Uh, showing off our skill, we weren't making a, a compelling argument for people to come to games next year. No, so, and, and and something that we had touched on on the our last uh, podcast is that you know this is a a great time for uh, players who may or may not be uh, returning to play for us this year. This is the time for them to uh, to make a show of their skills and either you know, impress their current club into signing them again or impress prospective uh, suitors. Um, and it really seemed like we were playing almost complacently, yeah. um, just sort of playing, all, already having given up uh, when the when the opening kick uh, occurred. Uh, it, it was just not not this type of attitude that you would uh, you would hope to see in front of a, a big final home game crowd, you know. Yeah. So second half kicked off, and um, there we 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 had the majority of the possession um, from most of the second half, which I, I credit to the fact that that I, you and I were sitting down on the north end of the field. So we could only see what the entire game. It was entirely all action on the other side of the field. So <laughs> um, it, it, it was a back and forth uh, battle. There was some decent chances. 
Um, but finally, in the uh, in the 66th minute, Saeed, uh, Saeed Robinson, who has really come on of late, um, scored a a goal from about you know, what was it, about 25 yards out, uh, right right outside the top arc. Um, put a put a right foot on it and put it right past the goalkeeper, and just like that, we're up two to or we were down one to two, and um, breathing some life again. Um, you know, what would you see on that play? Um, I I I thought it. I I was I was caught thinking about how how what a funny funny world we live in where <laughs> guy you know five weeks before. Um, you would be you would be screaming for Saeed to pass it to pretty much anybody else, and now the ball comes to Saeed, and you're just begging, begging for the opening to shoot. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, you you commented uh, on the on the day that uh, you, you would think that a defender who'd done his research um, and 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 been training well might not have escorted the ball onto his right foot, having seen him score two right-footed stunners in the previous two weeks. Yeah, uh, the the the, uh, <laughs> the well, the, the, it was it was a, it was a corner kick that uh, Suggs had put in, and the defenders had played out, and Saeed was all by himself. Um, then the one defender that came out really seemed to wanted to wanted to push him to the inside on on his right foot. Which makes you wonder if he confused him for someone else, or um, <laughs> you know, it, it was uh, definitely not ideal. And, and and also, this was this prior to this. Uh, I, I when I was watching the replays, I thought it was almost the same play. Um, about about five minutes earlier, he Saeed had gotten the ball in almost the exact same spot, had had uh, went in and. Uh, but for a, a uh, Carl, the goalkeeper, save, uh, put in a, a really decent shot. So uh, it wasn't like this is the first time during the game that Saeed had the ball and had a chance on his right foot. Um, he did. He had, he had uh, made a, made a serious challenge uh, or serious uh, shot prior to that. So who knows? Um, you know, Sa- Saeed is really. Really, really come on uh, at the past. Well, he's the only one who scored in the past three home games, um, and you know I got to say, I think we all know how bad of early season he had. Um, not good at all. When he shot, um, you know, fans were ducking on the south side, making sure <laughs> the ball didn't hit them. Um, he was not good at all. But I got to say, in these past four or five games he almost seems to have been returning to that that level that he played at uh in season in 2015 prior to him tearing up his knee um yeah i don't know if any if anyone remembers but it was either orange county or la um when saeed uh, was taken down and tore up his knee and had to go out for surgery and in your your into 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 2015 and 2016, he didn't really look like he had he had fully come back from that. He was very hesitant in his running. Um, you know, he went to Kid uh, North Carolina and NASL didn't didn't really produce there. I don't have a stats in front of me, but I I think last time I saw, I don't think he had any goals when he was in uh, 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 North Carolina last year. And he comes back here and. Um, He's got the speed, but he didn't have to have the finishing. And I think the final quarter of the season, we're, we're finally seeing Saeed almost return to form 
uh, of 2015 pre knee surgery. Yeah, I it's it, uh, I, don't, I don't know if the if his um, if his blistering pace is quite at the at the level that it was pre pre surgery because um, he used to he used to not even really have to do too much moving to make a guy miss. He'd literally just just you know bump the ball past somebody and then sprint around them. Yeah. Um, but I think also that that has improved his um, it's improved his ball skills and improved his decision making when he's got the ball at his feet. Um, now taking the time to pick his head up and assess his options, see if he can beat a man or if he's got somebody he can play a little one-two with. Um, it's uh, he's he's had a market improvement this season, and and I'm really pleased for him. I I, I hope that it uh, continues to be to the benefit of the switchbacks, but uh, we shall see where his career takes him uh, after this this off season. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I'd like to see him come back. Um, I think he's finally like I say getting getting that uh, confidence uh, and in getting the the confidence in the playback. Um, you know, before the game, I, I joked with them, you know, that, hey, we haven't had a, a hat trick the entire, you know, entire existence of the team. So you got three today, man. And he says, well, I'm, I'm, pl- I'm playing uh, on the wing back. I'm playing on the back line. And I was like, oh, OK, that's different. Um, and we lined up a little bit differently than we, than we normally do. We uh, um, the, the the USL website has us down in a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Um, I think it was more probably five. I think it was a five three two of some of some description. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely different. Uh, but Saeed was playing from the back. Uh, normally, where uh, Josh Suggs is. Um, no, I'm sorry, where, where Taylor Hunter is on the uh, right. Uh, Taylor Hunter went up to the left, and Suggs went into into the uh, middle. Um, so, or, or sorry, left left mid. Um, so there was a lot of tinkering going on again on on the part of uh, uh, Chichu. Um, so after that goal, uh, the switchbacks seemed to, to pick up a lot more life. The crowd was back into it, and um, they 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 had their opportunities. Uh, Chichu threw threw the book at uh, threw everything he could, uh, subbing in uh, Luke Vercoloni, uh, Marty Mabin, and AJ Jaqua. So we literally had every striker or every uh, forward on our team, um, that was on the roster, uh, on the game day roster out, uh, out there pushing to make, make goals. Uh, the, the closest chance we had was, uh, shortly after that in about, uh, what was it? About 70th minute, um, ball come in and there was, I believe it was, uh, Saeed, uh, Got on a counterattack, had had crossed the ball in to uh, Jordan Burt, who was all by his lonesome in front of the goal, and and headed a, a and headed the ball in past the keeper, but hitting the far post, uh, and it which which ricocheted out, and Shane Malcolm was unable to uh, uh, Shane Malcolm trailing the play, unable to put it on the net. Um, which, if there was a goal-scoring opportunity, I think that would have been it. I, I, I was just beside myself that we didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't uh, make that make that uh, opportunity. Yeah, I 
with with goal scoring chances coming so few and far between for switchbacks this season, um, you really have to have to convert on those high percentage chances. Um, and that uh, I, I think I mentioned this in in a previous week. Um, we have missed uh, a bit of the the goal poaching uh, style forward like Aaron King. Um, just seems to be in the right place at the right time to not not necessarily score score a lot of pretty goals, but uh, just you know your your follow up goals, your your tap ins, your your poachers uh, style of goals, and that that definitely was an, an opportunity to um, to put the game back within reach. Yeah, um, it, really, it, it was it's interesting to me to look at the actual stats for the match. We the switchbacks dominated in almost every statistic, other than shooting accuracy. We both teams had the same number of of recorded shots on net on target, um, and the only difference is they put one more in than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we had better possession. We had better passing, better interceptions by a mile. Um, just especially in that second half it seemed like we spent almost the entirety of it in their in their attacking third um and it 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 was just growing more and more frustrating as each uh chance was either sprayed wide or or turned into an ineffective corner or uh just really not uh finding that end that end product yeah yeah um you know, in that last last play that they were talking about with uh, Bert, you know, he put he put that ball almost exactly where you're supposed to put it, and, and had it been uh, a, a centimeter uh, to the right, that would have been a, a goal of the week contender. Um, disappointed that the Shane Malcolm, who found it at his feet with only um, goalkeeper Carl uh, to in between him, and he. Uh, Forced the keeper to make to make a save, which wasn't even a a, a hard save for him. It was it was uh, pretty routine. But I really frustrated that they couldn't put that ball in. I, I I seem to remember there was one or two two shots we had that did ricochet off the post, but never seemed to. Uh, we just could not find the back of the net. Um, and uh, you know the game continued and we lost. Uh, one to two to Phoenix, so that officially ends any sort of postseason hope that we had. Um, last game of the home se- of the uh, home season, so uh, we finished this season with a home record of eight four and five, um, which, looking at it, is actually better than what we had last year. We were eight five and three last year. Um, which kind of surprised me to look at it because I think this year we've been pretty ineffective at home. But looking at looking at the numbers, I mean, we we had the same amount of wins, we had one less loss, and two extra ties. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't know. Um, going it really it really shows how how far the Western Conference has come um, as far as teams performing well. The fact that we could win the the remaining three games that have a 11 win season and still not qualify for the playoffs. Um, there, the, the Western conference used to be really a couple of giants and then, uh, 
basically a bunch of middle of the pack level teams all vying for those remaining spots. And it really seems like we we've got more of a uh, more of a top stacked table this time. Yeah. Um, so this weekend, uh, this final weekend of or not the final the final weekend for us at home, but but this weekend in the Western Conference um, settled the matter uh, regarding playoffs for a lot of teams. Um, on the top of the table, you know, Orange County, Phoenix, Real Monarchs, Sacramento, and the Portland Timbers, too, all uh, secured a place in the postseason. Um, the, on the bottom side, joining us, is uh, Seattle, Tulsa, Las Vegas, Rio Grande Valley, Fresno, and LA Galaxy all uh, have been mathematically eliminated, which means there is now currently five teams vying for the last three uh, playoff spots. Um, Oklahoma Energy, Oklahoma City Energy is sitting at 39 points, uh, and uh, Reno, which is sitting in eighth place, is at 46 points. So um, lot, there, there, there's a bit more soccer left to be played, uh, Reno has the advantage uh, in the eighth slot as they have two games in hand over uh, over uh, San Antonio and Oklahoma City. So um, things are shaping up for the playoffs on our side. The 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 other story uh, now that we kind of set the table on that. Um, the other story that that we uh, we saw was going to happen um, yesterday is that the USL is uh, repurposing. Um, renaming and I guess restructuring the their 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 entire branding of all of their leagues. Um before we had the USL, which is was the second division league, which is what we've all come to 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 know and, and love. And then next year we were going to have the uh, USL third division team, which would be sanctioned as a third division team. And that's the one we've seen um, a lot of smaller markets opening up for. Um, you know, Richmond Kickers uh, went down. Um, it's expected that most of the uh, the two branded MLS teams are probably going to go down to that D three, and uh, which I'm very happy for. Yeah, which I, which I think is is a good thing, um, and. Uh, USL PDL, the the Professional Development League, um, which I'm not even sure is sanctioned as anything. I don't think there's a fourth division really sanctioned, but 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 clearly a developmental league. Um, I mean, it says it right in the name, PDL, Professional Development League. But um, that's where we see teams like Tucson, um, the uh, the Colorado Pride, or Pride switchbacks, whatever they they came up with a weird name for that. Uh, the USL announcing, and I just got the email um, uh, officially, basically rebranding everything under one umbrella. Uh, the USL United Soccer League is the major uh, is 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 the the league overseeing. Uh, basically, three divisions uh, of, of of lower leg league soccer, and they rebranded it as such. USL, which is what we sit in, what we've been sitting in since the beginning, um, is re- being rebranded as USL Championship. Uh, D3 is being branded as USL League One, and PDL is being rebranded as USL League Two. Now, um, uh, th- those of you who who know anything about uh, soccer know that, that I think that's almost the exact same 
naming convention they use in England, isn't it? Yes, it's exactly. I, they, uh, their umbrella, rather than the United Soccer League, is uh, quite simply the Football League. Um, so their second, they have the Premier League, uh, or often referred to as the Premiership, which is would occupy the same spot as Major League Soccer does for us. And then below that, they have the Football League Championship, and then they have Football League One and Football League Two. Um, and below that, you have um, the non-professional leagues or the semi-pro leagues and, and things like that. Um, so it is very, very much um, trying to mirror the uh, the look of the English game, uh, which has then often brought up the uh, discussion of promotion and relegation. Yep, that, that sound of the door opening up. Because um, <laughs> that um, immediately when I when I saw this was about to happen, and this is kind of... The, 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 the league really hasn't made too much of a secret about it. Um, they haven't tried to deny it, but uh, in the offseason, they had, they had trademarked these names, the USL Championship, USL League One. Um, they trademarked those names. So uh, most people suspected there was going to be something going on here. But um, now this almost looks like it could be setting up for the possibility of promotion, uh, promotion and relegation, which, uh, real quick, um, promotion, what, what, what exactly is promotion and relegation, Paul? So the, in the simplest terms, um, in the professional leagues, it gives the opportunity for, um, and it differs from, from league to league based on the number of teams. Uh, in England, it is very much the taking the, the Premier League and Championship as, a, as an example. Mm-hmm. The, the bottom three teams of the Premier League at the end of the season are relegated to the league below. Um, and in their place are the top three teams from the from the championship, from the league below, um, which generally you actually have the number one team and the number two team in the in the second division get automatic promotion. But there's actually a, a playoff for the third and final spot. And that is made up of, you know, the top four remaining teams in that table. Mm-hmm. And they can compete for that final spot. Um, what that means for the lower league teams, obviously, uh, bumping up from the lower league to a higher league, um, it means a huge increase in exposure, usually means a very large uh, cash payment as well, um, getting into uh, like the television deals and broadcast deals and stuff like that that they, they can then take a part in. Um, and obviously... You know, a lot of a lot of team owners, business owners, the, the idea of relegation is not very um, attractive because you know you 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 buy into into this league, you've got your your expansion fee paid, and your team for whatever reason doesn't perform well, and suddenly they've dropped a tier, and your profit margins are are going to be smaller. Um, in in other leagues, you see, you know, attendance can sometimes drop if there's not a very strong support system mm-hmm. for those clubs, um, and that seems to be the biggest argument in uh, the the promotion and relegation discussion in the U.S. is the business owners in the U.S. do not like the idea of um, 
the on-field performance actually, you know, having an impact on their pocketbooks. Yeah. Um, which I, the thing that I think it does for the game itself is it eliminates situations like the switchbacks are in right now. Um, we have three games to play left in the season and they mean absolutely nothing. There is zero meaning to any, like, make no mistake about it. They could send out, they could call up all of the pride kids and send an amateur squad out and it wouldn't make any difference. We could lose the remaining games by 30 points. We could win the remaining games by 30, 30 goals. Does not matter. There, there is no impact on the, on the next season. There's no impact on, uh, anything. Mm. What it does is it gives a tremendous amount of meaning to, the final games of the season for those who aren't involved in the the upper half of the table. Um, the fight to avoid relegation is sometimes even more exciting than than the fight to to be champions. Yeah. Um, I remember well, a couple of years back watching my own Premier League club uh, struggling with uh, with a relegation campaign that uh, that went to the final day. And they they somehow managed to pull off a, a win that they weren't supposed to get on the last day to to remain in the top league. And it it gives the supporters something to be actually caring about with those games, and it gives the players obviously something to to shoot for as well. Um, they're not just you know thinking about their their uh, holiday. Mm-hmm. Well, and and to put the uh, to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about, I mean let's look let's look at the specifics of right now in the USL. Now, to make it clear, uh, MLS is probably never going to join in in any sort of promotion relegation because, uh, you know, that, that's a, this is a concept completely foreign to America and, and, to, and to the way franchises and clubs are built here. Um, I can't foresee anywhere in the near future where they would have promotion relegation. I can't, I can't fathom... Uh, the Rapids playing in the USL, you know, um, it, it just it just would not really happen. Um, now that now that we have the USL having a complete dominant, they're 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 the dominant uh, lower league, lower division uh, league overseeing three different levels. It would be very easy because there really is not much difference between. Richmond and Colorado Springs, you know, in terms of, of, you know, uh, being able to support a team, uh, being bumped down or being bumped up. It's not that big of a, of a switch between those two. So let's say for argument's sake that, uh, all the D3 teams have, have been announced. Um, I, they're, they're going to have the same sort of structure that the, the, the top, the, the second division USL has is in there's a predominantly Western conference and there's an Eastern conference. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that, that, that owners complain about is traveling uh, expenses. And that's something that switchbacks know well as they are again, uh, taking a bus up to Salt Lake city and, and they're doing all they can to, to not have, have uh, keep travel costs low. So let's say that they split everything up and the bottom you know, four Western Conference teams and the bottom four Eastern Conference teams are are, are fighting to not be relegated uh, down to uh, Pro. I forgot forgot the name of U- it. USL League One. Uh, so so right now, if if that was the situation, 
the switchbacks are now sitting uh, at fifth from the bottom. We are we, there's four teams below us: Rio Grande, uh, Las Vegas, Tulsa, and Seattle. So, and, and there's also two teams above us, uh, Fresno and Galaxy, who are one point ahead of us. So, if the bottom four of each conference would be demoted down to or relegated down to um, League One, um, that would mean that that these final three games for us, we would have to win in order to prevent the op- prevent us from dropping down to a lower division. So instead of us going on a three-game road trip right now, which literally has no meaning whatsoever, um, unless you have ESPN Plus, you, you can't even watch it. Uh, instead of you know go, doing that, this would be something that the, the fans would be behind. Ownership would definitely be behind not getting relegated. Um, and it, cre- it creates kind of a, almost a reverse playoff um, where okay, we're out of the top four, we're out of the top eight, we're not making the playoffs, but we sure as hell don't want to be demoted down to um, to, to League One. So, I, you know, there, there's a lot of argument about it, and there's a lot of, like, really, well, there's there's a passionate uh, group of, of, of fans in the United States who want to see promotion and uh, relegation or pro, pro and rel. Um some of them quite militant about it, um, but it's something that that is has always been talked about. Never really found a way to do it because prior to this year, we always had at least three dominant leagues: MLS, NASL, and uh, USL. And none of those leagues were going to work together towards you know a promotion relegation. Now that NASL is gone. Uh, USL USL is the dominant in minor league. There's still uh, the uh, UPSL, which is D3, I believe. There's also um, oh, on the East Coast in, in PSL. Is that what they call it? Um, where, where Jacksonville, uh, the Jacksonville Armada, uh, is is looking to play in, in PSL. Um, but but really the 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 lower structure of American soccer is now owned and controlled the majority of, by USL. So this would be the perfect time um, for for this to happen. Um, and really, aside from some some uh, ownership, you know, really really clinching their teeth and fighting back against this, it would be fairly easy to implement right now. I I agree. Um, and I think that it, I think that it works far better uh, in the U.S. than than people like to think. Particularly when you look at the fact that all of these leagues are divided into conferences, um, and you can split those tables and and have you know a certain number from each of them that are going to be relegated. So you never have a situation where. Uh, Colorado Springs is relegated and has to go play in Florida or something like yeah. that. Um, you're you're not going to the the travel argument is basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. It, the conference alignments stay the same. Really, the only thing that would change those uh, conference alignments and things like that is you know expansion and um, clubs leaving USL to to 
join MLS as expansion, um, which again, you could also tie into the, the promotion and relegation system. Um, you know, if you are, if your club is in a, in a market that the MLS is interested in and you win the regular season championship, whatever they want to call it, um, in, in the USL championship, you obviously would probably be a very, uh, a very interesting prospect for MLS. Uh, you know, you're a team that obviously plays, uh, plays well on the pitch and generally those teams have a, a pretty darn good following. Um, especially when talking about not having the, the B teams, the two teams in the, in the second division, um, which I think is, is another thing that this needs to, needs to also happen with this uh, restructure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used the example before, but in, in Germany, they also have promotion and relegation, um, but they actually have a rule where uh, reserve teams cannot, uh, cannot progress above the third division. Um, so you're never going to, even if a reserve team wins the third division, the actual promotion is going to go to the next non-affiliated team in line, yeah. um, which I think is a great way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think that it, it, the fact that it gives value to games that were previously valueless is the biggest thing to me. Yeah. Uh, obviously, nobody wants to find themselves in a relegation fight, but think, think of... Seattle fans right now at the absolute bottom of the table um, trying to be excited for next season with rebranding and moving to Tacoma uh, like really what well what is there what is there to to get excited about what is there to care about with their remaining games yeah. when they're dead last nobody cares and there's going to be no uh there's no punishment for finishing dead last. There's no there's no negatives other than the fact that well your your fans are going to think you suck. Yeah, well it, it, you look at teams like Las Vegas who's sitting at 15th right now. Um, uh, they're you know that that's a franchise an expansion franchise this year that um, has really been a success story. Uh, it's it, um, you know off the field it, they've been extremely uh, competitive. Uh, let me pull up the the uh, attendance, but I mean, they're sixth in the league in attendance. They've averaged uh, 7,184 fans a game. Um, in fact, they, they are, they broke the hundred thousand uh, fans for the season. Um, and they, and they did so with several of their home games actually happening the same night as uh, Vegas golden Knights games. There are yeah. other, yeah, big, big, new NHL franchise playing in very important games and they're still drawing fans. Yeah. So, you know, that that's a team that, you know, I mean, right now their main worry is, you know, finishing out the season and not having their attendance tank. Um, but, you know, if there'd be a little more fire under the butt, if they thought that if they, they did not finish better than they're at, they would be, you know, in USL League One, playing against, uh, you know, being in a smaller, um, a, low, a lower league, which which may mean uh, lower, you know, um, benefits that you would get in USL. 
um, any benefits from the ESPN deal and, and, and such. So yeah, I mean to me, there, it's, it's, it seems like fair, it seems like a fairly easy um, way to set up the the future of lower division soccer with some sort of promotion and relegation. Um, the the you know, like I said, the only the only real uh, roadblock might be getting certified for Division Two if you have teams that move up that only play in five thousand seat stadiums, um, you know where they would have to get a waiver for that year. But I can't see that being too much of a problem. Uh, and let's be honest, if if the stadium, if the downtown stadium for the Switchbacks didn't work out, um, we would be we would be playing in Division Three next year. Uh, there's just no if if ifs ands or buts about it. So. I mean, it's it would it would be something that a lot of teams would not really struggle with um, logistically. It wouldn't be like the Rapids being relegated to the USL, which you know they have to figure out, you know, uh, how to fit you know two thousand fans into their seventeen thousand seat or fifteen thousand seat uh, um, stadium. So. Yeah, and I honestly, I'm I have opinions on the whole stadium size uh, restriction, um, <laughs> requiring that a team has a certain number of seats isn't going to change the fact that nobody shows up to their games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some markets, if it's just it's not branded well, or the business isn't run well, or the results aren't happening, people aren't going to show up. Um, but you can also have wildly successful teams with really small stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, in England, uh, AFC Bournemouth is a phenomenal example of this. Uh, the Cherries have the smallest stadium, I think, in Premier League history. I think they've got a 12,000-seat stadium, and they routinely go up against you know, Manchester United with an 85,000-seat stadium. Yeah. Um, like they could, they could probably fit their entire stadium as an away section in some of the other club stadiums that they play against. But they perform well, they're in the top league, and they sell their stadium out week after week after week after week. Yeah. So I, I, I think that the, the stadium requirements are a little goofy. Obviously, you don't want, uh, you wouldn't want a, a stadium like Widener in MLS. Uh, there, there has to be some standards there. Yeah. But um, I, 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 to some extent, find them to be arbitrary and meaningless standards. Yeah. Well, it's 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 you know technically, I I think uh, the Switchbacks have said that they could extend the current Widener Field, uh, 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 Sand Creek Stadium. Um, they could expand that up to, to seventy five hundred. I don't know how they could possibly do that. I mean, we're we're uh, getting it to five thousand. Seems like they're we're sacrificing a lot of of space, but. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. The, the the for the U.S. Uh, U.S. soccer, the the stadium seating capacity is is pretty arbitrary because one, they can dish out exemptions for them, and two, if it's U.S.L. overseeing it all, there's going to be, you know, maximum support regardless. And you know, the two who knows maybe. That a team like uh, you know, the, I I think I just saw uh, go go across my uh, news feed that that uh, some team in Detroit or in Michigan, uh, Lansing, I believe it was, uh, is going to be in D three, and let's say they have a five thousand seat stadium and they do like how Detroit does, you know, who plays in the UPSL, um, 
where they have it, where they routinely sell out their three three thousand seat stadium and have uh, some of those you know uh, rock raucous and outrageous uh, supporter groups uh, in the entirety of U.S. soccer. Um, so it, it's I, there. There's very few negatives. There's a lot of positives all around in the idea of promotion and relegation, and I'm hopeful that this rebranding and restructuring is going to bring about possibly in the next four or five years um, the uh, uh, the chance for for uh, promotion and relegation. Looking at the press release, it the, part of the rebranding is there's kind of there's I don't know mottos or uh, I forget the term, but uh, a phrase that that starts it and the the USL two, USL two League two, which was old PDL, um, is the the path to pro. That's actually a hashtag they've been using for quite a while. Um, I believe we might call that a mission statement. Mission, uh, mission statement, um, a, a, a a motto, uh, whatever. The uh, League one is the foundation of professional soccer. So, and then you get to the USL Championship, and it's the pinnacle of competition. So you can see, even even in the uh, the branding of it, it's it's creating a, a, a pyramid under the USL uh, for all of these teams, and you know the, the foundation of you know if one team's playing in the foundation and they're dominating and they win their championship, uh, it would make make sense to bump them up to the pinnacle. Of, of competition, so um, yeah, I, I I I really believe that we'll be seeing uh, promotion relegation within the USL in the not too distant future. Um, I I also think that it. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. I just had a thought just pop into my head. Um, I also think that it might have the um, maybe not totally intended effect of um, altering the status quo of contracts in the usl mm-hmm. um you know when there's a possibility of of promotion and or and or relegation um holding on to good players will will be a little bit more important if you're mounting a promotion campaign and uh you've got you've got well-established players good players you're going to want to guarantee them for the next season uh rather than just you know putting them on that on that one year and and then just hoping they'll re-sign later yeah um and for players it also means you want to sign with the best team that you can where not only are you worried about winning championships or worry about getting into the um into an mls2 team to get you know be watching under their coaches but make sure you get on a team that's staying in the top in, in the championship league so um you know, let's take for example Josh Phillips, uh, an established player, uh, ver- uh, young player, who um, really established himself as as one of the best in in the USL. And in the off season, he made made a decision whether or not to stay in Colorado Springs or go somewhere else. He went ended up in with, with the Portland Timbers, uh, Timbers two. So you, you know that going to a US uh, an MLS two team is part of that decision. Well, what what happens if that MLS two team is down in the third division or or uh, League One, and they're not playing up in the Championship League? You see what I'm saying? It's there's there's yeah. there's a there's a bit of 
uh, prestige that that really comes to it. Um, there's yeah, there's more motivation for players to want to be playing where the where the quality of play is higher, um, which will also mean that you know loan uh, loan deals from other clubs will be you know a, a big club that wants to loan out a uh, a high potential player is not going to want to send them down to the the dregs of. Uh, of American soccer, they're going to want them to get quality play time against quality opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will also go into uh, decision-making with loans. You know, say you've the, the rapids draft some guy really, really young and they think he's got a lot of development to do. They can loan him to a league one side um, and, and see how he does there. And if he does really well, um, you know, loan them, loan them to a championship side the next next time out. If you aren't going to select them for your first team, um, that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I'm still going through the press release here, trying to pick out anything interesting. Uh, the, the USL Championship, uh, let's see. USL Championship, one of the most successful professional soccer leagues in the world, reaching a population of more than 84 million across more than 35 markets in 2019. So uh, right there, we they look to be uh, in 2019. They look to have 35 teams uh, for next year. Uh, the fuel, the f- fueling the growth of the game across North America. Um, at its core, the championship is community. It's the commitment of passionate and financially secure owners and talented players to embrace their hometowns, to create opportunity, and to grow together through their beautiful game. So even 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 the USL is putting out there. You know, this is a chance for for players to to embrace their hometowns and uh, uh, really make some sort of incentive for players to stay. Um, to, 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 to players to stay where they want to play, teams to keep their best players, and and kind of cut down on the the attrition rate for teams year after year. Um, it is fairly rare for teams to, to to keep players for more than one or two years. Um, you know, we've been we've been lucky to have Jordan Burt here. Uh, we've been lucky to keep Josh Suggs here for three years. Um, you know, three years we've had. You know, granted, it was kind of a Grover Cleveland type of of uh, non-consecutive uh, time here, but with you know Marty coming back and, and doing his third year, and Saeed is the same. Uh, it, it's it it gives local teams and local players some sort of incentive to stay together and to stay at the market. You know, I, we always refer you know talk about Marty Maben being you know the the the, man, the the boy from Belfast, you know North Irish, but he did go to college here in Colorado. He went to Regis um, up in Denver, so he does have that local connection. Um, you know, there, there's there's lots of players who have some sort of local local connection that. Will will be that extra hook to keep them into in their uh, in their home state or in their hometown and have that continuity season after season after season. So you know teams can you know <laughs> make up some Luke Vercoloni jerseys and not worry about him you know being left with five thousand Vercoloni jerseys after he moves on to another team or uh, you know uh, Mike Seth. Teach promotional T-shirts, and for him to leave, and now they're stuck with X amount of Mike Seth jersey or uh, T-shirts. Um, so yeah, I, I I think this is good for the USL. I think this is a great foundation that um, they're they're putting forward, and for uh, 
I mean, I, I can't see them doing this without promotional relegation being in the distant future, or not so distant future. There'd be no reason for them to rebrand like this if they don't expect there to be some movement back and forth. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, so to, uh, a little, little uh, I wanted, wanted uh, meant, meant, ugh, I can't speak. Uh, I meant to mention this earlier when we were discussing um, attendance uh, and um, the switchbacks with their final home game uh, coming this Sunday finished the year with it with an average attendance of uh, 3,804 and we had a total of 64,000 fans coming uh, through through the gates all season long. how this compares to last year, you may ask. Last year we averaged 3,389, so there's a difference of, of you know 415, about about uh, 11, 12 percent uh, increase from last year, which is which is really good. Um, we had our first uh, sellout this year. I think they they officially declared two games a sellout at 5,000. Um, the season finale uh, that was this weekend uh, had an attendance of 4,871. And uh, for now, that, that puts us uh, in 18th place in the USL in terms of attendance, um, right along with with uh, you know, Richmond Kickers is right ahead of us with averaging 4,000. Uh, they actually saw a huge drop in attendance this year, but we you know, we uh, we're in the top half of well maybe not top half I take that back we're 18th so we're, we're just barely uh, it, we're, we're middle of the pack let's say um, kind of like our playoff positioning we're we're not going to make the playoffs but we uh, we're in the middle of the pack um, but looking at other teams across the league uh, you see there a lot a lot of teams um, losing attendance uh, compared to last year uh, going through here you know Ottawa Fury they've they uh came from NASL they actually are down 14% on last year um uh FC Cincinnati um which had a phenomenal year last year uh, averaging 21,000 uh per game are this year averaging 25,000 per game uh, it's a 20% increase um they they are uh MLS uh, next expansion team, so there's some of that uh, hype going going around with them. Yeah, uh, Nashville uh, is is fourth. They're an expansion team, and I believe I, I I get lost in it, but I believe they've already been announced as an MLS expansion team, right? Nashville. Yeah. I want to say you're correct. I I, I saw <laughs> I saw that the city council there approved uh, construction of a, a soccer specific stadium, um, which is typically the the uh, the linchpin in getting an MLS uh, getting attention from the MLS. And uh, yeah, they're, they're slated to begin play in 2020. Yeah, and that whole that whole mid south region is is becoming oh. a, a hotbed for American soccer. Um, they I just are, I just lost all respect for the Nashville club. I saw who their new who their owners are going to be. Oh yeah, who? It's, it's the Welfs. It's it's the Minnesota Vikings owners, <laughs> uh, who tried to put Minnesota United out of business uh, and tried to tried to steal their MLS franchise. Sorry, Nashville. Uh, I've declared you my my uh, <laughs> team to hate from the Eastern Conference for the rest of my life. You woke up this morning <laughs> not expecting to find an arch enemy, but now you do. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, that oh, that that would be like uh, if uh, uh, Stan Kroenke bought the switchbacks. What would we do? Oh, that'd be horrible. Uh, <laughs> shivers, shivers down the yeah, spine. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, the, 
off the field wise this year uh, has been an improvement in in the turnstile. I mean, with the off the field, with the on the field being probably the worst season we've had um, uh, in terms of of uh, you know quality uh, in terms of results. Uh, it's really it really is the worst season we we've had to date. Um, but off the field, you know, I mean, this season has to be considered a plus. They've they've stayed in business, which is always a good thing. There 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 was a number of people, <coughs> maybe me, uh, who who suggested they may not be around in 2019 or 2020. Um, so they've managed to stay in business. They've managed to secure local television rights on on uh, uh, the the WB or the, the WB network uh, channel 20 here in town. Um, which is which, CW, CW, something like that. CWB, uh, they, they change it so often. It's, it's, I know Fox owns both them and CW. So I, I believe it's channel 20, uh, over the air. Um, so the, the switchbacks, you know, secured television rights to our local market, which is a really, really, really big deal. Um, you know, we all talked about the ESPN plus, which is another thing, which they should start seeing money coming from that television deal. Um, but you know, if you wanted to watch, watch the games locally without paying for ESPN Plus, um, they have that. In, they have that now. So local local uh, television rights was really good. Um, obviously, getting the stadium set up, uh, the downtown stadium is is kind of been like the the uh, the big goal that was kind of make or break the franchise. Um, you know, numerous people have have commented inside and outside the franchise uh, that that if if we didn't get the new stadium, uh, we would be looking at Division Three next year. Um, so that is a huge, huge plus. Uh, and not, not only that, I, you know, in my interview with with Nick Reagan, the president of the team, uh, assured me that now that he, when I asked him about the probability of going to, to Division Three, he said if we were doing Division Three, we wouldn't be wouldn't be putting money into the stadium. So. That's a good sign, uh, and and an improvement in attendance. Um, and you know, USL teams can always fudge those numbers, <coughs> Sacramento, and you know you can. There's ways to, to look to to work around it so it looks like you have more people showing up than actually do. Uh, but you know, this year I, I, I we've witnessed large large uh, crowds for the games. Not not just you know. Um, people selling a lot of tickets are being sold a lot of people are showing up and that's that's great um the the with the sky Sox uh cutting 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 their their lure to uh color springs and moving to san antonio and us having this this new uh rookie ball uh short season team coming up who i don't know have they officially announced they're going to be the rocky mountain oysters yet i know <laughs> i know that was well, seriously, like they, they 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 had a contest and they for, for this is this is why you don't run con- public contests oh, for yeah. naming. Yeah, it's, it's the the Navy tried it and they ended up with a with a a vessel that was going to be named Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, um, just don't. Yeah, front offices everywhere. If you're listening, don't don't. Yeah, um, don't do it. But uh, it seemed like there was a number of names, all of them almost equally as ridiculous as Rocky Mountain Oysters, but that seemed to be the one that, that got everyone's attention. Um, so uh, with next year, um, 
2019 will be hopefully, knock on wood, the final year at uh, what was originally known as Switch as a, a Sand Creek Stadium. Um, we'll have priority in schedules. Um, I, I, the, I, I know the schedule. They've talked about it coming out fairly soon. Um, and I've heard rumblings that the first home game is going to be in March sometime. So uh, um, we no longer have to, because the specific lease uh, for Sand Creek Stadium that the Switchback signed when they came in, into here stated that um, they would give uh, uh, scheduling preference to the AAA ball club. And now that the AAA, there is no AAA ball club, uh, the Switchbacks have, have, can make their schedule uh, on their own without having to cater to what, what the Sky Sox are doing because they won't be there next year. So that's a plus. Um, and, and so I, it, it's, it's been a successful season, I think, off the field, on the field, um, not so much. Um, what are your thoughts, man? Um, I, I, I don't know. It, maybe it, maybe it, the season feels, uh, feels so bad because of how well we started um, as a club you know 2015 to 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 play as well as that in your inaugural season um and and indeed the following season as well to to make the playoffs uh twice in a row is uh it kind of sets you up with high expectations i honestly trying to look at it objectively obviously we didn't accomplish everything we wanted to accomplish this season I don't think it's quite as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Um, we did we, have we did have some surprising and exciting close games that could have gone either way. Uh, could have and, been. and we had some we had some games where we shouldn't have won, and we you know we stole three points from uh, from Real Monarchs. We yeah. we the the on the field product obviously needs work, um, and I and I believe wholeheartedly that the better the on-field product is the better the off-field product will be um attendance will go up when the quality of play increases and the quality of results increase um obviously you have supporters who will be there regardless Hmm. Um, but you also have a lot of fickle american sports fans who uh much prefer to watch teams that are winning yeah. Um, so it, that's something to contend with. Um, I uh, it, this feel it feels weird. It feels like we're doing an end of the season show when technically there's three games left. But yeah, uh, yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, n- n- it's not. I have that feeling too. Like the season's over. We need to go sit down and, and, and evaluate the season. But and I know there are, there are many other people who kind of feel the same way, where we have to remind each other that. Hey, don't cancel your ESPN Plus subscriptions just yet. We still have three more games to play, and um, even though there is technically nothing to play for, um, we don't want to be sitting down at the bottom with Seattle or Tulsa, or uh, you know, especially Tulsa, um, which which has kind of become a unofficial rival. Every game we have with Tulsa is always very heated and contentious, but we don't want to finish down at the bottom of of, uh, of the table. Um, because it we're we're better than that, and um, we do have the opportunity to become spoilers in these next three games. You know, we've got uh, Real Monarchs um this this upcoming weekend, 
and you know the real monarchs who have been looked absolutely dominating the entire season are 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 uh, coming off four losses and and a draw in their last five games, um, and and currently are sitting at six with six points uh, outside of first place. They're down at third place now, so you know we have a chance to play a little bit of spoiler with real monarchs. Um, oh, I I don't have our schedule up, but. Um, We've got uh, Fresno and then Seattle, I believe. Seattle is the last game of the. Yeah, which the w- which if 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 we truly had uh, the probability of relegation, uh, those games will carry significant meaning to us. Um, you know, when we play Seattle at the end of the season, it's going to be basically for nothing. Um, you're going to have two of the worst teams in the conference playing each other, uh, and it's not going to be on on the USL game of the week on ESPN. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, kind of, kind of one of those, another argument for, uh, promotion relegation. So we can make these last three games, uh, meaningful and make, you know, even if they are on the road, make the watch parties a, l- a little bit more, uh, excitable, you know, um, or even a reason for watch parties to exist because you're playing for something. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I I think we. I don't think it's possible for us to finish last. I think we we've math. I think Seattle has mathematically claimed that. Uh, let's see here. Look at. <laughs> well, you know they're at five wins and we're at ten wins. Um, they're at twenty points and we're at thirty-five points. Uh, is and they're but they, they've got two games in hand of us. It's very possible that if we lose the next three games. Uh, all if the... Seattle goes on a tear, yeah, uh... yeah, um, God, that that would be awful. That would just be awful. You know, the pat the first two seasons we went into the last game of the, last game of the season with an opportunity to clinch uh, first place in the conference uh, in the in 2015 2016. The idea that we could go into the last game of 2018 hoping to clinch, hoping to avoid clinching the last place in the conference is just it's abysmal. God, I'm looking at this. Uh, sorry to go off topic here. Seattle <laughs> Seattle has a negative 31 goal differential. Uh, Tulsa has a negative 34. Las Vegas has a negative 20. How, how does a team do that? I, <laughs> I, I, I guess there's a reason why they're at the bottom of it. I just, but that just, like, astounds me. I look at, Looking at teams above us. Yeah. With a, a worse goal differential than us, Swope in sixth place have minus three. We only have minus two. Yeah, uh, San Antonio's on on minus seven, um, but they have enough of those one nil wins that they've scraped out that um, those don't matter as much because yeah. you know they took they took all three points from contests that we did not yeah. uh, it's yeah. a, and I th- I think a different animal the only game that we've lost by one goal was that Phoenix you know drubbing we took four to nothing isn't it yeah that's the I think that that may in fact be the only the only game we've lost by more than one yeah we may have a 3-1 game out there somewhere but uh, that was most memorable to me because that 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 was just that just sucked um <laughs> So uh, I think we've pretty much kind of scraped through everything we need to, to, to get out of this. You know, it's it is kind of sad. This you know, we we kind of we 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 were officially eliminated from the playoffs, um, even though our chances of making the playoffs were somewhere between uh, slim to none. 
um, be, making it official kind of just just has that uh, okay well here we are um, you know it, it kind of closes the door let's say uh, and, and kind of puts those those you're saying there's a chance type of type of attitudes <laughs> um, it's kind of, it slams the door on that and we're trying to find something to stay excited about and something that will make us tune in um, when 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 the switchbacks travel up to Salt Lake City uh, this upcoming weekend but um, but yeah uh, for the trailheads I, I imagine there's gonna be a watch party I haven't seen any invites come across I'm not sure what their plans are uh, uh, for the bruisers I imagine you guys if, if you do something you're gonna be at uh, God you say it every week at Atre- your <laughs> Atreveda. Yeah, I, I, I imagine if 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 we are doing uh, any watch parties, that that's where it'll be at. Um, I know the the Fieros have been incredibly busy uh, in in the recent weekend with the big beer festival thing up in Denver. Yeah, it's 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 a alcohol season. Um, it, it truly is, and it's a what a wonderful time uh, to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive! Oktoberfest and a craft beer festival conference at the same time. Yeah. Uh, what a time to be alive. Well, uh, Friday, this, the uh, Switchbacks are actually, actually uh, uh, co-hosting a. Uh, it's called Dead Man's Dead Man's Brew Fest. Yeah, my son and I will be uh, pouring at there. Um, we'll be. I've been told. I haven't got final confirmation, but I've been told we we will be pouring at the. At a tequila booth, so which means if you want to come Ooh. and see Jason, see me drunk, uh, I'm sure most people listen to this have seen JT drunk, but to see me drunk, <laughs> uh, you know, swing on by. I think that's Friday night up at Widener Field, and then uh, Saturday there's another one uh, at the uh, uh, Penrose Event Center, the um, the Haunted Brew Fest. So there, yep. if if you if you're up for some drinking, there's there's lots of opportunities this month. So which you know the it's a great. It's a great time to uh, correlating with the end of an abysmal season, yeah. uh, having a bunch of opportunities to to uh, get three sheets to the wind. Um, to, to, yeah, it's it's good. time for time to raise the glass and say, "Here's to 2019." Um, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up now. I, I want to give a thanks out. Uh, I want to give a thanks to our sponsors. Uh, Roughneck Scarves are the official scarf supplier to the MLS, the USL, and US Soccer. You can get cut your custom scarves at for your group or your team at roughneckscarves.com. Uh, Redline Youth Athletics are all, ugh, our other sponsor. Is I'm already just like fantasizing about that tequila and just forgetting this ever happened. <laughs> uh, our other sponsor locally is Redline Youth Athletic Training Center. They're located at 4960 Centennial off Garden of the Gods. Uh, you can give them a call at 719-313-1833, and they can tell you all about their services. Um, as always, we're on the Beautiful Game Network. Um, give them a uh, – if you don't know who they are, this is the first time you ever listened to us, go to bgn.net, and they will have pretty much everything you could possibly imagine relating to U.S. soccer. Um that's it for us. Uh, that's it for the home side. Uh, we got three more games and uh, three more away games. So knock on wood, maybe we can get some points out of that and not be as awful as it seems that we are. Um, <laughs> I'm Jason Smith. I'm Paul Ray. And we are out of here. Bye. Bye.